Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. It's time to get green. Doug Oster and Jessica Walliser are in the house. All natural, no pesticides, no artificial ingredients. The Organic Gardeners. News Radio 1020 KDKA. Hey, I told you they'd be here, and they're here, and they got a special guest right off the top on the Disc Institute of Pittsburgh Newsline. We'll get to that in a moment. It's Doug Oster and Jessica Walliser from the Tribune Review, TribLive.com. Right now, let's give the 10th caller an opportunity to take home that Sorgles gift certificate at 412-922-1020. But the best way for you to talk to Doug and Jess, 866-391-1020 or Dollar Bank Instant Access at KDKA.com. Good morning, guys. Good morning. I am Doug Oster from the Tribune Review and EverybodyGardens.com. And I'm horticulturist Jessica Walliser. Glad to get a little rain, I'll tell you that. Uh, boy, and I hope we get a little bit more. It was uh, actually quite... Uh, enjoyable looking at the forecast this morning seeing that 90 percent chance of rain a couple of days this week because boy do we need it yeah definitely been dry but we're going to kick off the show with a special guest christy wilhelmy author of 400 plus tips for organic gardening success a decade of tricks tools recipes and resource resources from gardennerd.com that might be the best uh name of a website ever <laughs> Gardener. Awesome. christy how are you doing this morning Hi, I'm well. Uh, thanks for getting up on the West Coast at 4 in the morning. When's the last time you were up at 4 in the morning? Oh, yeah. Oh, it's been a while. <laughs> <laughs> Christy and I met on a garden rider's bus in California, and I interviewed Christy about the drought out there. And we just uh, we just had a great time, and I wanted to have her on the show and talk about the book. Uh, tell me, first off, when did you become a, a garden lover and how? Well, it's tied to when I became a vegetarian back in 1993. So uh, it just felt like the more I learned about our food system, the more I wanted control over it. And it just made sense to start growing some of my own food. And um, it snowballed from there. <laughs> and tell me about GardenNerd.com. Uh, first, com coming up with that name, that is, a, that is an awesome name. Thank you. That actually showed up in my sleep uh, Bolt straight up out of bed. I was like, garden nerd. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, and and then uh, basically it started as a T-shirt shop with the logo on it, and then it developed into a blog. I've been blogging since 2006, and then um, people started saying, you should do this for a living. You kind of know what you're doing. I was like, all right. So I navigated away from a day, a day job to a uh, full-time garden consultations and classes and lectures uh, and media content in 2008. So I've been doing this for a decade, but I've been blogging since and doing the tip of the week and the tip of the week podcast uh, since 2007. So it's been 10 years. Yeah. So let's talk about the book, 400 plus tips for organic gardening success. First off, have you always been organic? Yes. Always from the beginning. Awesome. Um, we both know how difficult it is to write a book. Why did you decide to do it? Well, this is my second book. My first book was uh, from Adams Media, which was recently acquired by Simon & Schuster, and that's a kind of how-to, step-by-step, from the beginning, 
gardening book. But this, I've been wanting to put all of the tips of the week for the last 10 years into a book for a while, but I didn't have a way of doing it because it has a lot of links to uh, resources and recipes and cool things. Um, but then, you know, with the new wave of digital formatting and publishing, it made it really easy. So I decided to make it a digital-only guide that has literally hundreds of links to awesome resources in it. And, um, you know, when the opportunity arose, I thought, okay, this is the year, and it's 10 years, so why not? <laughs> Uh, I love all the tips in there, and I love the way that they are organized by the season. Uh, was that a hard decision to, to do it that way, or did that just make sense for you? It was honestly one of the only ways I figured out how to organize 10 years of random tips into some kind of <laughs> format that would be digestible. So, I, I, yeah, I put it into seasonal tips, and it's and while it is geared more towards my neck of the woods in Southern California, where we garden year-round, uh, for places like, well, although your weather is beautiful right now, you're not covered in snow yet, but some places will be soon. And, and you know, for those people, the, the tips that are for fall will just apply to spring. So it's pretty easy to reorganize it in a way that's necessary for wherever you garden. Well, a ton of great information in there. One thing that I pulled out of there was repurposing cooking water, which I thought was absolutely brilliant and hadn't thought of that you know we're always thinking about ways to to reuse our water around the house but cooking water i never thought of that yeah and and that's not my original idea it came from a reader's digest uh book that they have that is all about reuse which you know we're we're in a disposable society and and it shouldn't be that way really we have finite resources and so the idea of reusing water especially where i live in a drought um, which is supposedly over, but it's kind of our new normal is just living with, you know, reuse as much as possible. Um, you know, there's, there are nutrients that move into the water from the food you're cooking, and a lot of that can be transferred to the soil for healthy plant growth. And I, hi, Christy, by the way, don't hi. let me chime in with a question here or actually a comment because uh, I was looking over a lot of these tips as well. And there was one that really stood out to me that I thought, wow, I, I wish I had thought to do that a long time ago. And that is the tip that you call seeding ahead. Now, we suggest this for people with radishes and um, some winter crops, putting the seed down in the winter, and then they emerge very early in the spring. But you actually suggest that with certain annuals, like bachelor buttons and um, nasturtiums and cosmos, where you sow the seeds in the fall after a frost, and then they come up in the spring. That's a, What a time saver. Right, and, and those particular uh, crops are often, you know, they're, they're seeds that you just press into the soil surface. You don't have to work too hard and just throw some compost or mulch over the top of it. And then in spring, as soon as the, <clears throat> the weather breaks, you get, it's the first thing that shows up in your garden. Christy, talk about where all the tips came from. Well, they're, they're kind of all over the place in that I... I don't claim to know everything, but I know where to find it. And that is one of the things that you can always count on from Gardener.com. Uh, so tips often come from uh, Organic Gardening Magazine before it was Rodale's Organic Life. Um, and, and certain, oh, well, like, what else do I have, I guess? Um, you know, some of it's out of my own head, for sure. Um, Mother Earth News is a big resource as well. A lot of recipes that I find for what's coming in from the garden. 
from various websites and um, just, you know, good resources, um, sometimes scholarly articles um, or like uh, for cover crops, NOFA Mass, which is the Northeast. Hey, Christy, we're going to take a break. We're going to take a break. Hang on. We'll get back to you right after uh, we take our break, okay? Doug and Jessica teach you how to keep it green. The Organic Gardeners. This Radio 1020 KDK. All right, your call is coming up in just a couple of moments, so I highly urge you to call in now with a question for Doug and Jess as the Organic Gardeners are back on the air, 866-391-1020, Dollar Bank Instant Access, KDK.com. Also, congratulations to Walter from Westview, the winner of that gift certificate from Sorgles. Back with our guest, Christy Wilhelmy, as long as she's still awake in California, author of 400-plus <laughs> tips for organic gardening success, a decade of tricks, tools, recipes, and resources from GardenNerd.com. Christy, you didn't fall asleep during the break, did you? No, no, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> she's, got, she's already got a second cup of coffee, probably. Uh, another cool, another cool uh, tip that you had in there was the rosemary slug barrier. I like that a lot because, boy, we had a, we had a heck of a year for slugs this year. Yeah, and that was something I had read um, that I just thought, that is so worth a try. Uh, you know, it was written into a magazine by someone who, uh, written into Mother Earth News, and the the reader had found that the oils uh, that Rosemary puts off kept slugs and snails away from her plants that were being chewed up. And so I thought, okay, let's give this a try. Um, and you know, there's a there's someone else who said that putting geranium, rose scented geranium, around all of her brassicas kept the white butterflies from landing and laying their eggs on her brassica plants too. Which I thought, you know, we can do this without using pesticides. It's not that hard. <laughs> and it, it's interesting because of the the rosemary slug barrier. Um, you know, I don't want to give people the impression that you're you know spraying the plants with some rosemary oil, but it, what it is is actually putting the sprigs of rosemary sort of around the base of the plant to perf- to form sort of a protective barrier around it, and then the slugs reportedly don't cross over that uh, that barrier of rosemary branches, which I thought was an interesting thing to try. Right. Yeah, exactly. Hey, Christy, what is the best way for people to get a hold of the book? So it's available on Amazon, and if you don't have a Kindle, you can download the free Kindle app to any mobile device or laptop or desktop, and uh, it's available. You can also go to GardenNerd.com and click on the books, which are on the right-hand margin when you get to the homepage. Well, Christy, I really appreciate you getting up so early in the morning on the West Coast, and we love the book. Thank you so much. Thanks, Christy. Thanks Thank you. Good stuff, huh? Uh-huh. Rose, rosemary rosemary name, slug barrier. Slug ba- and, or slug barrier. And just, you know, the, the name garden nerd. I mean, that's one of those moments where you have like, okay, I wish I had thought of that, yeah, right? Yeah, definitely. Because like, uh, you are a garden so nerd. So I am a garden nerd. I'm a bug nerd. I'm, I'm all that good stuff. I'm uh, just a nerd. It comes with lo- loving plants. So, uh, well, we have some dollar bank instant accesses uh, that just came in. And uh, one says, um, we're going to shoot through these, Doug. You ready? Ready. When should I cut back my black-eyed Susans? Well, we've been leaving those up, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And what is the benefit of the black-eyed Susan? Is it the, the get beneficial insects in those stems? Definitely. And uh, the birds, obviously, love to eat those seed heads. Yeah, we know heads. the s- seeds, but there are, like, 
There the are. So they actually, um, anything that has a hollow stem like that, so when you cut the flower stalk back, and if you see a hollow stem, that's excellent um, winter habitat for but beneficial if, insects if it, and native if, bees. If it drives you crazy, you can you can cut them down no, when they can. turn brown. No, you can't. Well, you can't. You leave it, it up till the spring. I leave it up till the spring, but if it drives <laughs> you nuts, if you can't stand it, go ahead and cut it down. If it when drives it turns you nuts, brown. you need to have better things to worry about, right? Well, we always talk about you know <laughs> spring bulbs, how how that drives people nuts when the, the foliage, foliage right. turns brown. It doesn't bother me in the least. All right, so another Dollar Bank Instant Access. I have an avocado sprout that has rooted in water from a seed, uh, about five inches long. Uh, want to plant it and keep it indoors. How should I go about doing that? Uh, just pull it out, put it in some good uh, seed, st- not seed starting mix, but planting mix uh, in a pot with good drainage and grow it on the windowsill. It'll, it'll keep going for you. You can make a pretty big tree out of that, taking it in and outside. I have a lot of fun with those. Uh, they sprout pretty easy in the compost pile. Do you have them sprout? You know what? I've never tried to sprout one. I never have to either. Be they just with you. They just sprout on their own. Like I'll throw them in the compost and all of a sudden I'll see them the next year popping out of the compost pile. People take the seed and sprout it in water. But yeah, it'll, just put it right in a little pot and put it on the windowsill. It'll be fun. And you're not going to get avocados yeah, not, yeah, out of it yeah. here in, in Pennsylvania, and it's not going to survive the winter outdoors. But it's definitely an interesting experiment, especially for kids, because it is such a big seed, and they can really actually watch the the roots and the shoot emerge from it, which is pretty cool. So I've got, can I do one more dollar bank? No. Yes. Yeah. How do I care? Now, this is interesting. I'm going to see if you know what this plant is, because I I had to uh, do a quick little search here. How do I care for an outdoor Belza flower, B-E-L-L-E-Z-A flower over the winter? Oh, over the winter? You just, uh, I have no idea. I've never even heard of a Belza flower. Well, here it is. It is a uh, cultivar name for a gara. The, it's a, which is a Good perennial. Good luck with that. Right. It's <laughs> Good a per, luck with it's any gar in our let's, climate. <laughs> let's call it a quote-unquote perennial, right? I've never been able to get them to survive. They very seldom survive the winter. But this is a great plant where the cutting the lower boughs off of your Christmas tree plant or Christmas tree after you're done with the Christmas tree, cut the boughs off of it and sort of lay it around the outside of that plant over the root system. Sort of form like a little tent over the plant with those evergreen boughs. And sometimes that's enough protection. And then replant one in the spring. And, right, and you might have to replant it. But this one have is supposed to be them? a little hardier. Have you ever had them over well, winter? I haven't, but this cultivar is supposed to be hardier than like whirling butterflies and some other cultivars. So I would be interested to see for this listener um, if that works and they're able to come back they are, um, next they're, spring. They're, they're cool plants. They're beautiful. All right, guys, get ready because we're going to come back and go wall-to-wall phone calls right up until the top of the hour. And right now there is no space available. We've got Alex, Darlene, Harry, and Kim, all of you just minutes away to get a chance to talk to Doug and Jess, get your gardening questions answered. But you know what? You can get us uh, through a message through Dollar Bank Instant and access kdk.com. You can text us at that number, 866-391-1020 as well. Doug and Jessica teach you how to keep it green. The Organic Gardeners. This Radio 1020 KDKA. All right, we're going to take 10th caller as we begin the second half hour of the Organic Gardeners at 412-922-1020 to win a gift certificate from Janoski's. And on that note, let's get back to Doug and Jess. Join me this Saturday at Penn Hills Lawn and Garden, 11 o'clock in the morning. I'm going to be, uh, during their fall fest, I'm going to be talking about birds, keeping them happy all winter, and planting for them. And I have lots of free stuff from Cole's Wild Bird Feed to give away. That's Saturday, 11 a.m., 
Penn Hills Lawn and Garden. All right, folks, we've got some busy phone lines, so let's get to work. Let's go say hi to Alex in McMurray. Hey, Alex, how you doing, bud? Uh, good morning. Hey, I have a uh, Blue Princess Holly that last year a small portion of the leaves were turning black. This year they're brown and dead. Uh, is that something that's infected the tree? It's just a portion of the uh, tree. Was it a newly planted? I mean, how old no, is it? It's about 12 years old. Mm. Okay, yeah. So I would worry that you have some type of, in that case, I would think probably a bacterial infection. Um, there's a number of them that can infect holly. Uh, I would say for a 100% positive ID, you could send a tissue sample uh, off to the Penn State Plant Pathology Lab, and I don't actually think that that costs you anything to do yeah, that. It doesn't. It's actually, since you've been talking about that, I looked that up, and uh, because, yeah, somebody had this, uh, some kind of weird problem like that. You know, it's absolutely free, and not that many people take advantage of it, you know? So yeah. you send... Do you send the brown leaf? Is that yes. You so you, they, yeah, and what they have on their website is they have specific instructions on how you're supposed to package it, the address yeah. you send it to, uh, the information. There's a form that you can download and print off that you include with it. Uh, so it'll ask you like symptoms of, uh, you know, what the overall shrub looks like, things like that. So, you know, if it was one branch dying back, I might say, okay, it was winter dieback. Sometimes that happens. If it, you know, you put salt on your driveway and it washes over, sometimes you have that. But since you're seeing subsequent browning and further um, decline of the shrub, I would say that would be something worth investing the 10 minutes that it would take to get a tissue sample and send it off. Um, could I, could sure. I ask Doug if when he's planting his garlic for the next year? October 19th is the dark of the moon, and that will be when the main crop goes in. I'm hoping to actually to hook up with the garlic king of, of Millvale today, but I don't know if he's in town or not. Might be out of camp. But, yeah, I'm going to... Uh, that that's t technically that's the day that I do it is under the dark of the moon. But you can you can plant any time starting now all the way into November, and I can't wait to plant mine. Did you already plant yours? I didn't, but I bought it, and I bought I don't know like a whole lot of clothes or a whole lot of heads of garlic from Enon Valley Garlic Farm, like a lot. Awesome. Well, that's <laughs> so good. I'm excited to try it. That's yeah. good. Yeah, plant. Uh, you know, some people say one inch down. I usually plant about three inches down, about six inches apart. And the most important thing is a nice layer of straw on top. You know, uh, yeah. there there is protecting from the hard freeze. Yeah, there is an allium pest, a new allium pest yep. that that I don't know, even know if we should talk about it yet because we don't know if we have it yet. But it's on the eastern part of the state and it could cause some problems with with garlic i mean a, a lot of people if you if you plant that and it sprouts you're going to want to cover it if if this pest is here we're going to want to cover it with a floating row cover so it can't get to the greens but let's that's probably jumping ahead a we'll little bit we'll cross that bridge when we get yeah, to it yeah yeah so <laughs> plant your garlic enjoy it and uh you, you know you got to start with the right garlic you know you got yours from Enon valley you know you can't i had this question the other day why can't I buy it at the store? You know, well, it could be treated with something to stop it from sprouting, and it might not be hardy. You know, well, most local farm markets have it. Yep. Right, right. That's I buy it. that's the way to go. You can get, save some money by buying it as food, as long as you know it's grown locally. That's the way mm -hmm. to do it. Yep. Great. Right. Well, thanks thank for you. the questions. All right, thank you. Let's go to Darlene. Hey, Darlene. Good morning. Welcome to KDK. Hello. Hi, going? Darlene. What's up? Hey, I wanted to talk to you guys. Um, a couple weeks ago, you said that uh, you only saw one or two monarch butterflies. Yeah. Um, I want to tell you that several years ago, my daughter told me to plant milkweed, so I did. And then she gave me tropical milkweed this year, so I planted that as an annual. 
I had at least one day, one or two days, I would have 50 or so butterflies on my Mexican sunflowers. Oh, that is awesome. Unbelievable. It was, I mean, I want to encourage everyone to grow milkweed and and do it because it, it's just gorgeous. So, I still have them. We had three or four yesterday. When you planted the milkweed, what did you plant? Do you know? Is it the butterfly weed or is it common milkweed or what was it? Well, I have it all, but the, the most I have is common milkweed, which she did warn me it was bread and yeah. boys did ever. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but that's a good thing. <laughs> but it's uh, it's worth it. It's worth it. I have, I have room and uh, it's worth it. So I want to encourage it out there. Yeah. Oh, all right, Darlene. Thank I agree. You. And great. if they don't want one that spreads, I would suggest the swamp milkweed, which is uh, a clump former. And pretty. And it's beautiful, and the monarchs like it just as much. And uh, and even the butterfly weed, which is the orange flowered one, uh, is a great, uh, you know, I have plant. all of those. Uh, yeah. But Good. I found here that uh, the, the, um, the, the egg layers seem to like the tropical the very best. Yeah, they do, and there's been some uh, some discussion and debate amongst monarch experts with the tropical milkweed as far as using it down in the south, uh, because it is not a species. It's native here to North America, at least northern North U.S. and Canada, and uh, it's it's a it continues to produce into the winter and everything down in Florida and in South Carolina, and that can cause issues with their migration because it, it, they're saying that it. Um, it will make them lay eggs too late and et cetera, et cetera. It's not a concern here in the north, obviously, because it dies out as soon as we get a first frost. So it is a, a fine plant to grow up here. Uh, and it's awfully colorful as well, which makes it a great garden plant. Yeah, I know that our friend June uh, from the zoo, who is a big proponent of pollinators, especially monarchs, she uses the tropical milkweed mm-hmm. up here. Yeah. Yep. Hey, congratulations to Teresa from Butler, winner of that gift certificate from Janoski's. Doug and Jessica teach you how to keep it green. The Organic Gardeners. This Radio 1020 KDKA. All right, Coons Cooking Hour next hour, then the quarterly review for the third quarter of 2017, hosted by the A Financial Team and Jamie Meredith is the main anchor today. That's from 9 until 11. Let's go to Harry. Hey, Harry, how you doing? Good morning. Welcome to Doug and Jess, the Organic Gardeners on KDKA. Thanks for taking my call. I'll be really brief. Uh, the other day, it was kind of warm, and I was looking in my flower garden, some bare ground. There was these little, like, copperish color, looked like ants with wings. Just a few of them, I started poking the ground, and a bunch of carrots coming out. And I looked at my vegetable garden, and I see a lot more of them just all over the ground, flying around. Any ideas? Yeah, so they are probably winged ants, and ants are really cool in that every now and then, uh, every couple of years, when their uh, colony gets a little too crowded and there's too many individuals in there, they actually morph and they produce wings. They change their body, uh, the type of ant that they are, and they produce wings and they fly off to go establish colonies elsewhere. That's how ant colonies sort of get started. And so that is probably what's happening. Sometimes it happens if you have like, you'll see them collected on a windowsill indoors, or you'll see them congregated like in somewhere outside. It's absolutely nothing to worry about. They're just flying off and doing their thing. They'll be gone in a day or two and, and you won't even see them again. Well, hey, thanks. Enjoy the show. Thank you. Okay, I've got a question I keep forgetting to ask you, Jess. Uh-oh. It comes from my friend Rocky. Okay. He's got bees on his fantail willow in Venango, up in Van, 
Venango County, yellow jackets and black and green bees all over this willow. And okay. he can't figure out why they are all over this willow. So any ideas? Well, he probably has a scale infestation on that willow would be my guess. Um, a lot of times yellow jackets and uh, certain types of wasps, sometimes occasionally bees, will uh, f- what's called farming those soft-bodied insects or scale. So we'll see it with aphids. We'll see it with mealybugs. We'll see it with scales. Uh, these, Those are the pest insects that suck the sap out of the tree and then their excrement is really sticky and sweet and it's called honeydew and the wasps and bees absolutely love it and so they will protect and farm that scale so that they can harvest that honeydew so oftentimes if you see that especially they're sort of walking up and down the stems, you know that you probably have a pest infestation on that willow. Now, is it anything worth worrying about? That's a different story. Um, Obviously, if the wasps, you know, you're walking by them every day and they're starting to get aggressive this time of year, then yeah, you might want to control uh, the scale on that plant because when you get the scale in control, then the, the wasps will go away. And that's usually just horticultural oil. At this point in the season, though, it's probably not worth worrying about. I would take a look at that plant again in the spring and see if you see sort of raised bumps along the stem that look like scale. They would crush and crunch if you push them with your thumbnail, and then would be a good time to treat with that horticultural oil. All right, Rocky, there's your answer now. You have to take me to your secret fishing spot in Venango Oh, was that the deal? I had to answer the question, and you got the secret fishing spot. Thank you very much, Jessica. I don't know what I get. Jeez. Okay. You get a hearty thank you. I get a hearty. Oh, gee golly. Thank you. I'll send you a picture You're of welcome. the big fish that yeah. we catch. <laughs> uh, no, I'll be expecting to fry that up in a frying pan is what I'll be expecting. I don't want the picture. I want it. But anyway, we have another Dollar Bank Instant Access here uh, from Mel in South Hills. Is fall a good time to transplant a perennial status? Is there a general rule for transplanting perennials or does it depend on the plant? Certainly depends on the plant, but in general... Uh, this is a good time to transplant, to move things, especially with this rain coming. This mm-hmm. this is such a relief, you know, tree planting. I, I got a bunch of trees I want to get and plant, and, and I was waiting for the rain. But, yeah, in general, this is a good time to move perennials. But some perennials you don't move. Other perennials don't like to be moved this time of the year. But in general, you know, like hostas and a lot of other different perennials will be moving them and splitting them up right now. And the only thing I'd say not to is if it's in flower right now. If it's in flower right now, then maybe wait until the spring to buy it. Yeah, I can't think of anything that comes to mind, but some things like to be moved just like it better early in the spring, and I can't even think of one right now. But yeah... In general, good time to move stuff. Dollar Bank Instant Access. Uh, Lisa, a, a grub inf- uh, infestation in the yard. Uh, used a uh, topical, um, but it wasn't organic, she said, unfortunately, but it didn't work. Any ideas on what to do to get rid of those grubs? Right, yeah, see? Well, first of all, don't, <laughs> yep. don't reach for those terrible chemicals that they're using to kill grubs. It's awful. And the reason being is that they are systemics, which means that they're transplanted through the whole plant. And if you're applying them onto your lawn, that means they're also being absorbed by the trees and shrubs and flowers nearby. Clover. And they could get into the pollen and nectar. Uh, And I actually just read a a paper release from Penn State uh, about a study that they did there saying that those uh, chemicals are affecting beneficial insects like ladybugs and lacewings and uh, other natural predators that live in the garden. And so we really want to avoid those types of systemic products, especially with that grub control. So instead, what we always recommend for grub control are beneficial nematodes. And these are little microscopic roundworms that um, don't hurt anything in the landscape except 
for beetle grubs that live under the ground. These would be Japanese beetle grubs, oriental beetle grubs, and June beetle grubs, which can all damage our plants. And it's applied to the soil in the spring of the lawn. You can buy beneficial nematodes. They're living organisms, so they're usually bought online and shipped directly to you. Uh, you do it in the spring, though, because they do not survive the winter here. So you have to do it every spring. It doesn't cost a ton of money to do it, and it's really, really effective against those lawn grubs. And it is something that we definitely recommend over those chemical products. Uh, this is a real quick text message, and I almost missed it, but I want to make sure we get this answered. What's the best organic approach to weed control, especially for closure? Then we'll, Doug got an appearance, and we'll close it out. Go ahead. Especially for what, clover? Yes. Well, we love our clover. Yep. Especially in the lawn. Clover's really good for the lawn. And used to be that when you got grass seed, it had clover in it because it has a symbiotic relationship with the grass. But weed control in general organically is, you know, we do a lot of newspaper stuff for vegetable gardens, for flower gardens. But in the lawn, it's it's about getting your grass growing like crazy so that it basically outgrows the weeds, you know. Get the right fertility and the right pH in your lawn, and you really won't have to worry too much about weeds. And don't worry about clover. Clover is a good thing. Right? I concur. Tell him about your appearance there, bud. I'm going to go to Penn Hills Lawn and Garden this Saturday, 11 a.m. for their Fall Fest, and I'm Fall Fest, and I'm uh, presenting planting for the birds and keeping them happy all winter. And I have lots of free products from Cole's Wild Bird Feed to give away. That's Saturday, 11 a.m. Penn Hills Lawn and Garden. Doug and Jessica teach you how to keep it green. The Organic Gardeners. This Radio 1020 KDKA. I caught you talking about what? We're talking about camera gear. We're talking about <laughs> using the shooting phone to shoot insects, videos. Right, and video and, uh, and how good the iPhone 7 is and how I You know I what's amazing? One. I can tell people in this studio we're, we're going on right now. We're going on right now. Nobody listens to you. Yeah, well, that's, that's true. You were like, here, you're waving your arms. Like, here we go, here we go. That's okay, though. We're it's just all trying good. to finish up our little, little conversation. It's all good. <laughs> I, I think we should record what happens off the air. I think it'd be just might as be interesting just, right. as, as what's on the air. Right, right. Well, we were talking a lot about um, the rain. For me, this has just been the best. I'm I'm putting in lots of pansies and flowering kale. I just I love pansies and flowering kale. And I I have trees that I I want to get. I've seen them at, at and I told you about that one uh, uh, Japanese pieris that I want that it's variegated and I have the perfect spot for it, but. Didn't want to plant until we got rain, right? Because uh, I don't have any, don't want anything else to water. So it's it's just wonderful and lots of still time to put in vegetables and you know? definitely bulbs. And today would be a good day to do those mm-hmm. bulbs because mm-hmm. we had a little bit of rain, so the soil is going to be nice and soft to plant in. Get things planted, and then you won't have to water them in because they're going to get we're going to get rain, you know, here the next couple of days. So then we get them all nicely watered in, and that's exactly the ideal planting time. It's funny how. Uh, <laughs> how the rain changes everything on the way that you think about gardening. You know, that first part of the season, we had all that rain, didn't have to worry about watering containers or yep. anything, and then we got that dry spell where you're just like, I got to drag the hose out there. If I don't, it's going to die, you know? Yeah. And yep. so for me, last night, just rolling over and listening to the rain, I was just like, and I left a bunch of stuff out that got wet, that not plants, other stuff, but that's the way it goes. Yeah. So that's okay. Well, people <laughs> complain and grumble about the rain, like real people. But us gardeners, were like, woohoo! 
Yeah, happy actually, that it's raining on a weekend. Uh, you know, I was actually I'm seeing this uh, event that hoedown for the hounds in Beaver County, and I was like, normal people say, "Oh, rain." Gardeners <laughs> say, "Oh, rain." Yeah, <laughs> it's, a, it's a big difference. And uh, yeah, I mean, you are right. And so many of our local nurseries have plants on sale right now. Uh, they're trying to, um, you know, sell as much of their stock as they can before they have to overwinter it. And so this is really great time to go and get some good bargains on plants and then go home and plant them. Remember, the organic gardeners always aim to create a better place to garden and a safer place to live. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.